You are listening to Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement, with your host, Randy Sutton. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Voice of American Law Enforcement. I'm your host, Randy Sutton, 34-year police veteran, the founder of the Wounded Blue, the National Assistance and Support Organization for Injured and Disabled Law Enforcement Officers, and the host of Blue Lives Radio, the Voice of American Law Enforcement on the America Out Loud Network. There is so much going on in law enforcement. Uh, you and I could talk for, for literally hours. I, I I have to tell you, I have to be perfectly upfront with you. I mean, I did 34 years as a cop. I thought that I had seen it all. Well, I cannot, I cannot even conceive of where we have come as a nation in relation to law enforcement. Um, I got to tell you, I'm I'm really concerned, really concerned. Last week. We talked about it, and we're going to talk about it again because it is unabated. The the continual lies and false narratives about the American law enforcement officer and, and the propaganda that is being put out, which is damaging not only the, the, the you know, the, the reputations of law enforcement, uh, but the actual safety of these officers and the safety of you, the public, the people who populate this country. Um, let's talk about defunding, this movement to defund and dismantle. Do you really think that police are unnecessary, that we can just do away with them? We don't need them. Because that's what you're being told. That's the movement that is now um, grabbing hold of this nation. Uh, the the Black Lives Matter movement is what started it, um, and now other uh, organizations, groups, mainstream politicians, the media has jumped onto this bandwagon. Uh, and I never thought. I always thought that Americans were smarter than this. I, I'm wrong. I Clearly, I'm wrong, because we are seeing political leadership not just talking about it, but doing it. Um, One billion dollars, a billion dollars has just been removed from the budget of the New York City Police Department. Now, remember, there's only six billion dollars. This is the largest police department in the country. You take away a, a, a staggering amount like that, who do you who do you think is going to suffer here? Let, let's let's talk about defunding. What does this mean? What is what does it really really mean to you, to the people? It means more danger. It means less service. It means depolicing it means violence it means no accountability for criminals it means the basic destruction of our criminal justice system which by the way 
is exactly what Black Lives Matter and other groups want. They, you know, I've, I've talked about this on this show before, but I, it's important that you understand what Black Lives Matter was, was born from. It was born from the great lie of Ferguson, hands up, don't shoot, which never took place. It was born of uh, Trayvon Martin, uh, who uh, was, was killed while attacking um, a, uh, uh, an individual who called the police on him. Uh, a, um, not a night watchman, but a, um, a crime watch guy. Uh, but somehow police got blamed for it. The, the lies of institutionalized police racism have been cranked out by the propagandists literally for the last six, seven years now. Started under the Obama administration and, and has continued its, its ascent, um, never more so than in the last few weeks after the death of uh, George Floyd. Now, George Floyd was a tragic death. Um, and because it, it happened at the hands of law enforcement, there is accountability there. Uh, those officers have been arrested. They've been charged. They've been, now they're going to face the music. Well, that's called accountability. But you don't hear that that is accountability. All you hear is more and more um, of the narrative that this, is, that this is the norm. And the reality is so far different and so easily proven by simple statistics, but you will not hear them. Because remember, never let the truth get in the way of a good narrative if you're looking to change the basic, the basic um, responsibilities of government. And that's what Black Lives Matter uh, has, has uh, announced that they're trying to do. They want to completely dismantle the criminal justice system in America. They make no bones about it. That's right in their charter. That's what they want to do. They want, to, they want no policing. They want no prisons. They want no accountability for crime. And uh, they want to change the social order. But I always thought that America had enough smarts to realize what a radical, insane agenda this is. But I'm wrong. I'm wrong. And what I'm seeing is more than disturbing. Bill de Blasio. Um, I saw I saw a, um, a, a a news story about him just a few days ago, where the the guest on the show uh, was was on the show about his move to take away a billion dollars from the police department, and the 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 person who was uh, giving this interview said, "I just want to congratulate Mayor De Blasio for becoming." clearly the worst mayor in New York City history. And I got to tell you, I second that emotion. Uh, de Blasio has been uh, an anti-law enforcement and an anti-criminal justice mayor since the day he got elected. Uh, he's basically, he basically demeaned the, the New York City Police Department for years. Uh, taught, said they were racist. Um, and now he's getting his wish. He's getting to cut the budget by a billion dollars. A billion dollars. 
they just just we uh, two weeks ago, the uh, police commissioner there, who I have very little respect for now, because he is basically a the lackey of uh, of De Blasio. They um, they disbanded the most effective one of the most effective units in the entire New York City Police Department, the Plain Clothes Division. Those are the guys who actually go in undercover, dress, well, not dressed like me, but they're dressed down so that they can be in the streets and they can see crimes taking place and they can take action. They go after violent offenders. They go after the guns. They go after the, the robbery suspects. And what happened? In, in, in the mealy mouth way that, that the, the commissioner came out, said, oh, you know, it's, it's time we... Um, we evaluated our techniques and, you know, just typical political speak. We're basically surrendering to the political um, uh, atmosphere that is now permeating cities across the United States. Defunding, a billion dollars in New York City. Um, this is going to devastate. This is going to devastate the, the police department. Uh, there's going to be layoffs. There's going to be now, now. Keep in mind, under De Blasio's watch, since January, crime has gone up over 400 percent. Violent crime, murders. They haven't seen this since the 70s, when uh, when Giuliani came in and cleaned up New York. Um, we're seeing violent crime skyrocketing. Why? Because of the the political farce that is called bail reform. Now, this is as much the fault of that goofy governor, uh, Andrew Cuomo, who is another anti-law enforcement goofball, uh, wielding his power like, uh, like, a, like, a drunken, uh, like a drunken sailor on payday, um, uh, failing to even cooperate with federal law enforcement, um, allowing criminal activity, trafficking, sex trafficking, drug trafficking, uh, all in the name of political correctness. So you got the guy in the governor's office who is just I, I, horrendous, horrendous. And then you got de Blasio. And between the two of them, they, they, they create bail reform, which in essence means it doesn't matter what crime you do, you're going to get out of jail the same day. It doesn't matter. You don't have to worry about bail because it's racist. It's racist. And so what happens? People are committing all kinds of violent crime that, that de Blasio says is nonviolent. I don't know where he gets his, like sexual assault, that's not violent, right? Um, so there's no accounting, no accountability. There's no consequences. There's no, literally, there's no price to pay for preying on others. So why wouldn't you? The only people who are actually trying to do the right thing are the cops. And what's happening to them? They're being prosecuted when they when they use force. They're they're being fired. They're being 
betrayed by their own leadership. They're being defunded. And the insanity goes on. And where are the people in New York? Let me ask. You get the leadership that you that that you you know that you elect here. When are you people gonna say enough is enough? Are you gonna literally be like lambs led to the slaughter? Because you are. Death, destruction, killing, violence, robbery, rape. It's coming. It's here. And the only people that give a damn are the police. They're the only ones standing up. I mean, let's look at let's, let's look at this. So it's not just New York, of course, because this is the this is now the rallying cry: defund, dismantle. Look at look at these incredible. <laughs> incredibly moronic leaders, quote unquote, in Minneapolis. This this is so galling. Okay, so we have we have the the epicenter of this madness happening in Minneapolis, where George Floyd was killed by the police. Um, as a result of that, you have the city council voting unanimously. Do not just defund the police, to, to dismantle it, to say adios, to say goodbye, no more police, bye, 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 bye. And when the city council, now, believe it or not, the mayor, who's, a, who's pretty much a goofball himself, he actually opposes this because he's got a little more brains than I actually gave him credit for, judging by his previous uh, uh, encounters regarding law enforcement. But even he sees that this is insane. But the city council, good God almighty, these people are living on some alternative universe where, where unicorns and rainbows exist and everybody is nice to one another and there is no crime because people wouldn't do that to other people. I actually saw an interview with, with someone who, who claimed that they had white privilege, some wealthy occupant of of a tony neighborhood in seattle who was uh robbed at gunpoint and said that he didn't call the police because uh he didn't want to jeopardize the life of that poor poor man who stuck a gun in his face and threatened to kill him how do you argue with stupidity like this how do you even how do you even uh conceive of this so the the president of the city council they vote unanimously to disband the police department. Now, thank God people have to vote on this somewhere down the road, right? And I can't believe that even the people of, of Minneapolis are this dumb. Um, but the, 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 the president of the city council is being interviewed on CNN. I'll never forget this. I'll, I'll never, I, I, my jaw dropped. When she's being interviewed about her stance to disband the police, and the CNN reporter says, well, who's, who, who am I going to call when someone's breaking in my house? And this, this city council person looked at her disdainfully and said, that's the same question my neighbors are asking, but that comes from a position of privilege. That was her response. Well, guess what? City council 
oh, excuse me, um, the uh, uh, city of uh, the city leaders of Minneapolis have now just spent $65,000 of taxpayers' money to provide private security for themselves. You heard me right. They have now spent um, uh, 65000 bucks to get their own private security guarding them and their, and their homes. What's wrong with this picture? And then when asked about it, they just pretend that they don't even, they just say they refuse to talk about it because it, it might endanger them. What about the rest of the people in Minneapolis? What about them? I guess they don't count. I guess they don't count. Yeah. How's that for uh, How's that for irony? We want to We want to not protect you, citizens. We want to get rid of the cops. But because we've got money, and it's your money, it's taxpayers' money, we're going to hire our own private security, armed security, by the way. Unbelievable. Talk about leadership. Unprecedented violence throughout the United States against the police. Never see anything like it. Cops being pelted with everything from bricks to firebombs, being shot, being shot at. More than a thousand severely injured or seriously injured in, in recent weeks in the violence. So much so that we created, my organization, Wounded Blue, created a GoFundMe to help them. Go to GoFundMe, the Wounded Blue Fund, to help these men and women. Unprecedented. Guys are getting hit with bricks and rocks and firebombs. And Louisville, the chief of police in Louisville and the command staff, they have uh, they, they had a very similar situation to the Seattle, where the animals took over the, uh, the park there. And then there was violence and there was shootings and the and and they called in the cops to clear this. But guess what? The command staff ordered ordered their police officers to remove their protective equipment, threatening them with suspension because they didn't like the optics. It, it looked too military. And, 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 you know, we don't, want to, we don't want to anger all those rioters out there with you, you know, looking like you may, you know, be able to protect yourself from some of those injurious objects being thrown at you. Luckily, the, the Fraternal Order Police came out and made this public. This is, the entire command staff who was involved in this should be fired. Not only is that incompetent, not only is that inept, but that shows the absolute worst in leadership for a police department. You just told your cops you don't give a damn about their lives. Police chief, Louisville police were ordered to remove their protective riot gear or face suspension as they were working to clear protesters at the scene of a deadly shooting. I never, ever would have thought I would see this day. I never would have thought that I would see a police leader tell their cops, we don't give a damn about you. 
We just care about the way it looks. Not only that, let's talk about Seattle. <laughs> weeks. Weeks now. The so-called chop zone, autonomous zone, that was, that was taken by these Antifa punks and these other radicals and these weak-minded, uh, simpering um, hangers-on who just want to watch this insanity flourish take over six city blocks in Seattle. And the mayor, oh, she, this one's a winner. She says, well, it's a summer of love. They take, over, they take over the city. They basically bring in armed militia. They, the police, they take over the police precinct. The cops are ordered to disperse and run away. And killings are taking place. Finally, after six weeks or five weeks, after a 16-year-old is murdered and a 14-year-old is in critical condition because they allowed it to happen, the mayor finally says, okay, well, I guess enough is enough. Of course, this was after, after she had like an insurrection and, and, and her own council people had a march of, of a bunch of other radicals on her house. And then she finally decided to do something. The, the police chief there, Carmen Best, needs to go. The mayor needs to go. City council, they need to go. They have let down their people. They have uh, they have ceded to violent extremists um, in ways that uh, uh, have never been seen before in this nation. The political agenda is incredible. The um, the failure to act uh, should have stark ramifications, but I doubt it will, because the only people that that the, the public uh, seems to want to have accountability from it are the police. And the, the you know, the certainly the politicians don't want to have accountability. America, if you don't support your law enforcement, if you don't get behind them, you're going to rue this day. You're going to become a crime victim. You're going to know a crime victim. It might be your mother. It might be your son. It might be your daughter. And I'm not, I'm not trying to scare you. I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you the way it is. I guess from being a cop for as long as I was, I understand that evil exists. I understand that there are people that wish to do you harm. That would literally cut your throat and rape you and not even blink an eye and then go to your refrigerator and eat the food in it. Does that sound harsh? Well, I've seen it more times than I can count. There is evil in this world. There's only one thing that stands between you and it, and that is the warriors that suit up every single day and wear that badge, and they are warriors. And those that say that they're not, that they shouldn't be, are living in another dreamland. The only people that give a good goddamn about you are your cops.
That's about it for me today. That's that's about as much of the madness as I'm going to report on. We've got uh, we've got a great guest waiting for us who's going to enlighten you about what's really happening in these zones, and uh, then of course we're going to we're going to pay our respects to the men and women of the profession who've made the ultimate sacrifice in our end of watch segment. Think back to the last time you felt healthy and energized. The best times of our lives occur when we're at the peak of our health, sleeping better, full of energy and focus. We know that fades with age, and you might be feeling the effects of aging as low energy and poor sleep. But it doesn't have to be that way. There haven't been any nutrition systems designed to rejuvenate our bodies as we get older until now. Healthy Cell Pro is the only multinutrient system that impacts the building block of your body, the cell. Created by anti-aging expert and Nobel Prize nominee, Dr. Vincent Giampapa, award-winning Healthy Cell Pro cuts through the complexity of nutrition supplements by simply giving you the purest ingredients, filling dietary gaps to nourish your cells and enhance your quality of life for optimal performance. Visit HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for an exclusive discount or call 844-869-9958. AmericaOutloud.com is the voice of liberty and justice for all. As we celebrate our four-year anniversary, thank you for making it all possible. Well, should it news deliver truth and inspire us to reach higher? With blogs, podcasts, video, and 24-7 talk radio on our free apps on Apple, Android, or Alexa. We are the vision of the voices, America Out Loud Talk Radio. I have a very special guest with me in the interview room of the voice of American law enforcement. His name is Andy No. Andy is someone who I have admired for a long, long time because of his intrepid journalist technique. He is not only a journalist, he's also the editor-at-large at the Post Millennial. He has done some amazing work that we're going to talk about today. Andy, thanks so much for taking the time to be on the voice of American law enforcement. My pleasure. Thank you for having me on. Now, um, let's get right down to it. You're... you're your journalist, uh, a journalist who has covered some really hairy, dangerous places in the United States. Um, you know, it, you used to, if you were, if you were a, a journalist that were covering like war-torn areas, you would be going to Iraq and Afghanistan. Now, um, you've actually taken your own life in your hands covering Portland, of all places. Uh, what got you I- involved in in journalism and the specifically uh, looking at the um, uh, unrest that's been uh, uh, all over the United States, specifically with Antifa and other extremist groups? I know it sounds so dramatic when I talk about how dangerous it is to cover Antifa in the United States, but uh, that's really how it is. And that's why there's very few journalists who are on this beat, particularly if they are critical of Antifa. That's, excuse me, that's the important caveat. If you're pro-Antifa, oh, they welcome you. They love 
they love those journalists who act as their propagandists and spread their message and their lies. If you go in and, and shine a light on their violent extremism, their criminal activity, then you will be harassed, intimidated, followed, doxxed, and in my case, beaten. Um, I took an interest in this subject because back when, well, as well, simply, actually, as every good journalist would know, we are drawn to stories that aren't being told. And I was drawn to what was happening in my hometown of Portland, Oregon, going back to 2016, when we had riots breaking out by Antifa Black Bloc militants who could not accept Trump's election win. And at that time, I was just the media coverage of the response uh, across the country regarding uh, violent protests in reaction to Trump were they were excusing them. Um, and that's now the established playbook. The rioting that has convulsed the United States in the past month is also um, excused and many times actually praised by by the chattering classes, by the intelligentsia, by academe, and by the punditry. You know, the 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 violence that's taken place recently, um, I don't think that I have ever seen uh, something so widespread uh, affecting so many different cities. Um, and in essence, what's been taking place has been uh, you know, cops have been getting injured right and left. There's been wholesale looting. There's been uh, fires um, set. There's been, you know, vandalism costing millions and millions of dollars. And in the case of Seattle, even um, city blocks taken over by uh, this nebulous group. And yet we don't even see an outcry coming from the very politicians whose responsibility it is to protect their citizens. How do you, how do you, um, you know, come to terms with that? And, you know, especially in, in, in you have, you have been on the front line seeing the violence firsthand. What was really frustrating when I gave my statements at the congressional briefing uh, early this week on the protests is that I presented all this evidence, indisputable evidence of the injuries to human life and those who have been killed as a result of this wanton violence that have wrecked havoc coast to coast for four weeks now. And that was completely pushed aside and the protests were described as peaceful and an act of democracy. Um, this is the gaslighting we're going to be dealing with uh, as long as these riots are going on because many people on the left are sympathetic and supportive of the violence, unfortunately. I don't like coming to that conclusion, but that's, um, that's my analysis and my coverage of this. Um, I think what people need to realize is that appeasement brings more so the fact that weak politicians in major urban areas are pulling back the tools that give law enforcement the ability to effectively crowd control, this is what empowers mobs to go 
longer and go bolder. So in the city of Portland, Oregon, we've had now 32, 33 straight days of rioting every day. A lot of the national media is not aware of this. They don't pay attention to what happens in, you know, a small city in the Pacific Northwest. This is the reality of Portlanders. They've uh, attacked downtown. They've attacked businesses. They've looted. They started fires. They tried to. They actually last week barricaded the North Police Precinct and set it on fire. Okay, and just last night they. After toppling the George Washington statue a couple of weeks ago, of which there's been no arrests, no suspects, they ran out of statues to target. So now they targeted a statue of an elk, a historic one, quite loved in the city of Portland, set it on fire. The destruction to the foundation of the statue is so extensive that the city had to remove it today. So, a statue um, of an elk, the animal, yes. an elk. Correct. I see. It, 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 is it a politically incorrect elk? I mean, it, no. what's, what, is, what does the elk <laughs> symbolize that, that, that they decided to destroy it? Is there, any, is there any rhyme or reason to that that you can even fathom? Well, uh, well, they can't blame the elk for owning slaves or anything like that. The, the, you know, this is making it so clear that the destruction of public property, private property, really has little to do with grievances and more to do with the desire to be criminals and to wreak havoc and to do it indiscriminately and to do it with impunity. Uh, last night, there's not even a single suspect identified and the mob was outside this downtown area for hours and hours as this statue burnt. You know, as, as a this is a law enforcement um, show. I mean, this is a, this this gives points of view from law enforcement, and and um, as a as a professional law enforcement officer myself, uh, watching the um, uh, shall we say lack of response by law enforcement to uh, all of this widespread violence, um, Portland has been in the forefront of this and has been basically. Um, accepting of this for years, isn't is there any? And you, you being from Portland, is there any hope on the horizon that the people of Portland are going to step up and say we've had enough of this? Because it, I don't seem to see any um, any cohesive response to all of this violence. Um, it. Well, what we need in the city of Portland is good leadership, and we aren't really having it. We have a new police chief, and he's only been in his role for a few weeks now, so it remains to be seen. But of course, immediately the other day when Antifa was attacking another residential area in North Portland and starting fires, tear gas was used because police determined that to be a life safety issue. And immediately, City Council has come out to say that there needs to be a blanket ban on on tear gas, no, uh, with no exceptions allowed. And so, I, I mean, the goal of these politicians is it's not just cynical. It's not just about advancing their political career. And right now, everybody is wanting to bash police because it's politically expedient. But I believe that we're seeing seeing in many cities as well. Uh, a coup that has taken place over the years of a replacing of all 
moderate and mainstream liberals with the hard left, those who have a revolutionary political agenda and abolishing the police is at the forefront in dismantling um, American history, symbols of the nation, um, and just remaking society in their own image, um, in their totalitarian vision is what they want. Let's talk about Antifa for, for a moment. Um, I watched your, your congressional testimony, and it seems to me that it, it, despite all of the evidence that is literally pouring out, um, there are still people in positions of high authority, high political positions, that simply refuse to believe that it even exists. How did, I mean, I, I sense your frustration when you bring forth affidavits from from law enforcement agencies which actually name this group and yet you see you see um, very powerful political figures simply deny it how I mean it's got to drive you crazy it, it does but this is what I've been dealing with for years the mainstream media either denying the scale of Antifa or lying about its ideology so, uh, you know, these politicians, these Democrat politicians who were saying Antifa is essentially imaginary, well, what they used to back up that were these stories in New York Times and Washington Post that were saying that there's no evidence that any of the people arrested in the riots had connections to Antifa. And then, like you said, I, I brought these affidavits from various um, DA's offices. And a part of my uh, daily project is to also chronicle the arrests of those at the Antifa riots. And then, when possible, I do the investigation in, into their backgrounds or social media posts, most of which is usually concealed under pseudonyms and uh, it's made very hard uh, purposefully to actually find out what they actually believe. But when you dig just a little deeper, do the investigation, you see them espouse support for Antifa militancy. And this is the type of reporting that's not done by the journalists based in New York City or Washington, D.C. They're not on the ground. I mean, with all due respect to them, they haven't seen the things that I'm seeing. They're not on the ground every day in witnessing the type of violence, the organized violence that is being carried out by these Antifa groups in Seattle, in Portland, uh, and other places. Let me, let me ask you about, um, about a connect, the connection between Antifa in Europe and Antifa in America. Um, it seems to be that Europeans um, have a greater understanding that this group is a terrorist organization. Um, they seem to be um, much more, um, that is, Antifa seems to be much more active in in, you know, in real serious destruction, including bombings. What is the, do you know what the, the link is between the European Antifa and America? Is there, are they getting closer together? Antifa is an international movement and organization, you could say, primarily based in Western countries, Western Europe uh, and North America. Um, the connections to Europe are important because the original contemporary Antifa groups 
came out of Western Europe. They came out of West, what was then West Germany. And it was there that these established tactics of, um, I would call them domestic terrorist activities on the public, on the state, became refined and practiced and written into manuals and booklets to be replicated elsewhere. So um, they cross uh, pollinate one another. They both inspire one another. I think Europe has, Germany has had a long history of dealing with left-wing extremism and terrorism, actually. That's just the United States going back to the 70s, right? People kind of forget, I think, intentionally the decades-long history of left-wing terrorism in the West. Um, yes. But uh, I think what's important is more so that the, at least for the American context, is that in the U.S., Antifa has experienced a level of mainstreaming that hasn't been witnessed anywhere else in the world. And they've been able to do that through a number of ways, but primarily they've been able to latch on to the fear and hatred of the Trump administration that was flamed by the media. I mean, I think you, everybody will remember all the pieces that were coming out uh, in publications describing how this is uh, America's on, on the step toward uh, fascism. Trump is a fascist dictator, the comparisons to Hitler. So that amplified the Antifa propaganda, for one. And then now they have jumped and latched onto the BLM movement um, under the guise of being anti-racist and fighting racism, which has mainstream appeal. So right before our eyes, we're being sold a very radical, violent extremist ideology, um, and it's being sanitized and whitewashed and protected by those uh, who control narratives in the media. Do you know where, um, where because clearly this is, an organization like this does not exist without um, without leadership and without funding. Um, is there any indication of uh, who's pulling, who's who's the marionette, you know, uh, pulling the strings? Who's the, the puppeteer? And do you know where they're getting their funding? The thing about Antifa is that there really isn't a puppeteer and they don't need large streams of funding to do what they do. And I think that's the issue with a lot of the analysis coming from some journalists because when they say the Antifa is not an organization or they're not a terrorist organization, they're kind of comparing it to groups like IS or Al-Qaeda, uh, which do need lots of money for their weapons. The thing with Antifa's ideology is that it's designed and conceptualized to be a grassroots militant movement that doesn't need money. For example, if you look at the weapons that have been used by these black bloc militants to injure law enforcement and civilians, they've been using things that don't cost money. What? Bats, crowbars, uh, bricks, frozen water bottles. Um, they would use um, knives attached to umbrellas. So these type of like rudimentary weapons that can do quite brutal damage to the human body, that's what they use. They don't need money. It's all in the ideology, and the ideology is spread day in and day out through the propaganda that's online, on the various 
booklets that are given out. I mean, this whole stash that I have was disseminated like candy at the so-called Autonomous Zone in Seattle, um, which I'd spent a week undercover there. So, uh, you know, there are a lot of conspiracy theories and disinformation out there about where money's coming from, who's really pulling the strings. I haven't found evidence to actually support any of that. I think what people need to realize is that the ideology um, is so well established and has ways to get it get itself out that you can have in urban areas cells that uh, essentially activate within with with within an instant and that's what we saw happen in the past month regarding Seattle I know that you were on the ground there and I mean it's amazing to me how the media has completely glossed over um, the violence there. They basically ignored it. Um, you know, until until there was, you know, a, a second spate of shootings and a murder of a of a 16-year-old, um, they, they basically just, you know, kind of uh, gave it very short shrift. What did you actually see? I mean, the people that, that populate that area, that live there and work there, um, what was their reaction to this? I hope people, I mean, it was just uh, this week that the so-called autonomous zone was finally retaken by the city through various law enforcement agencies and props to those, uh, to Seattle police and FBI and, um, and other agencies that helped in clearing out the remaining occupiers there. I, but what I don't, I hope that the public doesn't, forget that the this experiment three-week deadly experiment in the so-called autonomous zone one that claimed six blocks of a major american city that is a sort of a small scale seeing of what the antifa and black lives matter vision is for the world they want to do away with police abolish police so that they can establish their own code of conduct and their own militias and that's what happened in this autonomous zone there were militias who carried weapons and did patrols and there were numerous shootings um the one that happened this week that killed a 16 year old boy and has put a 14 year old child in critical condition that was allegedly carried out by the security of this zone their militia so uh, this is their vision for America and the world and wherever this Black Lives Matter and Antifa ideology take root. You do away with law enforcement from the state, you get militias. This is, uh, this is really frightening stuff. So what's in, in the future for you now? Um, you're, I mean, certainly there is no shortage of um, theaters of operation for you, basically. Um, how do you how do you um, anticipate working in the future to get your message out about basically doing what a journalist is supposed to do and that's bring the truth um, you, you've got to feel kind of lonely um, you know because you're, you don't seem to be getting much in the way of support from any mainstream journalism that's right um... I, you know, those who follow my work know how demonized I am and how I've been the subject of numerous smears and hit pieces um, that are intentionally designed not just to delegitimize me, but to give 
backing to those who have attacked me and tried to kill me. Um, so uh, I continue pushing forward. I'm working on a book about Antifa. It's to be published by Center Street uh, in February of next year. So it's a while off, but there's a lot of important development that's happening recently and through the remainder, the remainder of this year that I'll be able to write about. So that's the bonus of the uh, delay in the release. Uh, it's called Unmasked. It's available for pre-order on Amazon and other websites. Um, so I hope you know this interview uh, for your listeners, uh, for them, if they want to learn more about Antifa and the threat that it is to liberal democracies everywhere and freedom, uh, to pre-order the book. And that's Unmasked. It's available on Amazon, the, uh, the real story about Antifa. Well, Andy, I, I want to, first of all, um, thank you for taking the time to come on to the Voice of American Law Enforcement with, with what I think is an absolutely critical message to the people of the United States, and uh, and also um, for your your personal courage that that you are exhibiting in your uh, in your efforts here, um, uh, it, it's something that uh, is is in the bet what what journalism is supposed to be is what you're doing, and I I want to say thank you for that. Well, thank you. My um, gratitude the gratitude is mutual. I think there needs to be more people sticking up for law enforcement because we see what happens when law enforcement goes in into retreat um in, in portland and many other examples uh what you have is then criminal elements destroying people's livelihoods and destroying public property and doing it with impunity and we can't allow we can't allow that to happen with um as routine as it's become in the United States. So I hope law and order is restored. And for that to happen, police need public support. Absolutely. Is there a website or any way that people can learn more about you? Yes. Uh, I think the best way to stay on top of my uh, reporting and when I release articles and do interviews is probably through Twitter. Um, my handle is at Mr. Andy Ngo. That's M-R-A-N-D-Y-N-G-O. I'm also, um, in, uh, I also work as primarily an independent journalist, so I depend on crowdfunding to be able to support what I do. So there's information on my Twitter if you want to support me as well. That's fantastic. Thank you so much. Andy uh, No, uh, independent journalist, and um, you're doing great work. Thanks again. What if a new treatment backed by 17,000 scientific articles was proven to extend our lifespan, protect against terrible diseases like cancer, heart disease, and dementia, make us more attractive and thinner, feel calmer and happier, and boost energy levels, memory, and performance? What would you pay for even the smallest dose of this treatment? Well, the good news is you don't have to pay anything because these are just some of the benefits of a full night of quality sleep. If you're one of the millions of Americans who need better quality sleep, the time to change is now. Until now, most sleep aids haven't worked, but a new easy to swallow sleep gel invented by the leading nutrition company, Healthy Cell, is designed to support all four stages of human sleep to help you fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deep, and wake up refreshed. It's called REM sleep. To get a free two-night supply of REM sleep, visit HealthyCell.com sleep. That's Healthy, C-E-L-L dot com slash sleep. 
End of Watch with Randy Sutton. Each week here on the Voice of American Law Enforcement, it is our solemn duty to pay homage and honor those men and women of the law enforcement profession who have made the ultimate sacrifice and given their lives in the line of duty. Um, This week I have a number of names to read. The first is police officer Jason Judd of the Peoria Peoria Police Department in Arizona. Police officer Jason Judd was killed in a motorcycle crash at Liberty High School uh, near Deer Valley Road. He had completed a motor demonstration for the Youth Citizen Police Academy when he was involved in the crash on one of the sidewalks. The juveniles had already departed the demonstration and did not witness the crash. He was transported to a local hospital where he succumbed to his injuries. Officer Judd was a United States Air Force veteran and served with the Peoria Police Department for 21 years. Police Officer Jason Judd, Peoria Police Department, Arizona. End of watch, Wednesday, July 1st, 2020. The next is Master Detention Deputy Lynn Jones of the Lake County Sheriff's Office in Florida. Master Detention Deputy Lynn Jones died after contracting COVID-19 in a presumed exposure during an outbreak at the Lake County Jail. At the time, Deputy Jones' exposure, 18 staff members and over 100 inmates had tested positive. Deputy Jones has served with the Lake County Sheriff's Office for 13 years. He is survived by his wife and three daughters. Master Detention Deputy Lynn Jones, Lake County Sheriff's Office, Florida. End of watch, Wednesday, June 24th, 2020. The next is Correctional Officer Richard Bianchi of the California Department of Corrections Rehabilitation. Correctional Officer Richard Bianchi was killed in a vehicle crash on Highway 44, four miles from the Old Station Road near Redding. He was en route uh, from the High Desert State Prison to Reading Hospital to perform guard duty for an inmate at the hospital. His department vehicle left the roadway and overturned, causing him to suffer fatal injuries. Officer Bianchi had served with the California Department of Corrections for over 10 years. He is survived by his wife and two adult children. Correctional Officer Richard Bianchi, California Department of Corrections, California, end of watch, Thursday, June 25th, 2020. Sergeant Dale Moulter of the Travis County Constable's Office, Precinct 3, Texas. Sergeant Dale Moulter died after contracting COVID-19 in the line of duty while serving civil papers. Sergeant Dale Moulter, Travis County Sheriff's Constable's Office, Precinct 5, Texas. End of watch, Sunday, June 28, 2020. Sergeant Craig Johnson of the Tulsa Police Department in Oklahoma. Sergeant Craig Johnson succumbed to gunshot wounds sustained the previous morning when he was shot multiple times during a traffic stop near the intersection of East 21st Street and East Avenue. An officer and on Sergeant Johnson's squad had conducted the traffic stop at 3.30 a.m. and determined the vehicle uh, had to be impounded. The driver refused to exit the vehicle despite the use of de-escalation techniques and non-lethal force, including pepper spray and a taser. As Sergeant Craig and the other officer continued their attempts to remove the driver, the man reached under the driver's seat, retrieved a handgun. 
He opened fire on both officers, striking each multiple times in the head and torso. The man then fled the scene with the assistance of a friend whom he had called for help during the traffic stop. The subject was arrested later in the day, subsequently charged with first-degree murder. The friend who aided the escape was charged with being an accessory. The other officer who was shot remains in critical condition. Sergeant Craig Johnson, Tulsa Police Department, Oklahoma, end of watch, June 30th, 2020. Each of these officers gave their lives in the line of duty serving the people that they serve and protect. May they rest in peace. Thanks for tuning in this week. We'll see you again soon. Uh, go to thewoundedblue.org, thewoundedblue.org, and uh, find me on Facebook, The Voice of American Law Enforcement, and Twitter, at LT Randy Sutton. We'll see you again soon.